If you haven't noticed, we're living in a time when parents have to raise their kids in a society that itself has become mentally ill. If you've listened to Licensed to Parent before, you may be wondering if we're just being extreme or if our culture really has descended into an emotional, psychological, and spiritual abyss. Unfortunately, the data would suggest the latter. And many times you hear us ask, what role might digital technology play in all this? Well, today, our friend Dr. Nicholas Carderis will share insights from his new book, Digital Madness, how social media is driving our mental health crisis and how to restore our sanity. That's today on Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm Michelle Hill, and I'm glad you joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host, Trace Embry, is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill and also the author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherd's Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. And Trace, delusion is a word I've heard you use to account for some of the madness that we're seeing today. But you've also quoted the French philosopher Voltaire to alert parents to what they might have to prepare for when corruption or delusion reigns in a society. Why do you quote Voltaire, Trace? Because he was a pretty big critic of Christianity. Well, I wouldn't be the first guy to quote from a critic of Christianity to help wake up his sleeping, delusional, and rebellious children. Uh, maybe it's God's way to, to shame us. I don't know. Um, and though Voltaire was a deist, he was spot on when he said this. He said, anyone who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. I usually borrow this quote when I'm talking about the LGBT nonsense, but Seriously, uh, other than a, a mass delusion or systemic mental illness, how else can you explain you know, w w why more parents aren't seeing the absolute absurdity in giving their kids unfettered access to these addictive adult toys? I mean, to me, it's, it's obviously influencing the many atrocities that we're seeing today in schools, in our streets, under our noses, in our own homes, and round the clock, no less. Uh, not long ago, someone would have told you that a parent was given their 12-year-old kid, or 17-year-old kid for that matter, 24-7 carte blanche access to a device that offered Junior the most disturbing kinds of pornography, true death videos, and myriad other nefarious things. You'd have called Child Protective Services in a heartbeat. And I'm talking about kids seeing and engaging in these things every day, things most adults a generation ago wouldn't see in an entire lifetime. Uh, at Shepherd's Hill, Michelle, we're, we're getting calls for six-year-old kids with porn addictions and not just exposed, addicted. It's a classic case of absurdities leading to atrocities. We hear about things like digital dementia, and we, narcissism, loneliness, uh, r relational autism, self-harm, depression, anxiety, sleep deprivation, the anecdotic state of the entire citizenry, and myriad other digitally related mental health problems. But how many kids would actually be alive today? If it weren't for digital-related suicide or murder, uh, traffic accidents, uh, can I throw drug overdoses and brain tumors into the mix? I mean, look, we can talk about all this until we're blue in the face, but who's factoring in all the spiritual illness, damage, and death that's taking place out there? Because from my seat, the real root of our society's delusion of mental health problems is the nation's God void. Sin will make you stupid. I mean, we've become so spiritually numb as a society that we don't even consider the spiritual genesis to all this. And by the way, I'm not saying smartphones have made people evil. 
We're born that way. I'm saying that smartphones are like steroids to the human sin nature. But when we don't consider sin or plug in the reality of our human sin nature, all other attempts at correcting this dystopian nightmare are like spitting in the wind. Uh, Maybe when things finally get bad enough, people, particularly parents, will start seeking answers that transcend our best human efforts at solving the problems at hand. But we become so coddled, entitled, amused, and, and pleasured into imbecility that we've also become soft and emotionally fragile, right where the devil wants us. Yeah, our, our carnal nature loves it, for now, but our spiritual side knows that we die inside every time we cave to being controlled by our sin nature. It's that age-old spirit-flesh battle where our flesh wants that dopamine hit, and it wants it now. It has little regard for our long-term need. Why? Because that feels too good for the moment, like any addiction. It's why drunks will tolerate hangovers until the booze has them cowering on death's doorstep. Sin will take us deeper than we want to go, cost us more than we want to pay, and keep us longer than we want to stay. I don't remember who said that, but I just said it. But America is right there. That's where we're at. That's so true and so scary. Well, I know that our guest today is going to help us peel back some layers on our phones and on digital technology. Our guest is Dr. Nicholas Carderis. He is an Ivy League educated psychologist, best-selling author, internationally renowned speaker, and an expert on mental health addiction and the impacts of our digital age. And he's one of the country's foremost addiction experts. Dr. Carderis lives with his wife in Seg Harbor, New York, and they have twin sons. He's a frequent presenter and lecturer on the subjects of philosophy, mental health, and both substance and screen addictions. And he'll be talking to us about his book, Digital Madness, how social media is driving our mental health crisis and how to restore our sanity. Dr. K, welcome back to the Licensed Parent Broadcast. Thank you, Trace. It's a pleasure to be on the show again, and what a hard act to follow. I think you just hit the nail on the head. I wish I could just just make a T-shirt out of what you just said. It was that that whole everything you just said was spot on, right. spot on. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not hard when when it's true, you know. <laughs> but by the title of your new book, Digital Madness, it, it seems you've come to the same conclusion about America's corporate mental health as we have of the myriad platforms and interactions, tools, games, and other aspects of screens and keyboards. Can I also assume that social media might be your greatest concern with respect to the kids and digital technology? Yeah, absolutely. That's evolved because when I first started really working with this issue, let's call it 10 or 12 years ago, and I wrote my first book, Glow Kids, six, seven years ago, the the primary concern back then was, okay, are these devices habituating? Are they addicting? Are they habit-forming? And primarily the concern back then was young boys and adolescents with video games. And and were video games the new digital heroin and were our kids getting seduced and a form of zombification, dementia, let's call it what you will, whatever happens when a person is addicted, it destroys all the other aspects of their lives. But now I've, I've come to understand that habituation was just the price of admission, um, that the habituation or the addiction to the screen was just the entry point to much more problematic, mind-shaping, brainwashing, whatever you want to call it, that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing a psychiatric uh, contagion spreading. We're seeing a spiritual, uh, you said it perfectly when you said there's a numbing that's happening. Six-year-olds six who are addicted to porn, um, teenagers who are mimicking psychiatrically unwell influencers. Um, the, the society is going 
to use a, a clinical term, crazy. And, um, and, you know, I think when you crop Voltaire, absurdities giving away to atrocities, we're all sort of going down a slippery slope where we sort of acquiesce to some of the, you know, whether it's the gender nonsense and now it's become normative and, um, and I do think people like Voltaire, I do think we could have faulty messengers with, with really profound messages, you know, just because the uh, messenger might be imperfect. Um, but, but yeah, the society, I mean, just, you know, even the TikTok, uh, the, the recruitment video for the Navy yesterday, which I was watching, the drag queen, it seems, oh. what, what's happened? It, it seems, <laughs> some of these things seem like they would have been unbelievable 10 years ago, that these would be the norms in our society now. Yeah. You know, when you read scripture, you do see that, that God did use some pretty crazy people to wake up his people. Um, I, I've heard, and, and I don't listen to these guys regularly, but I do peek in to kind of see what's going on on the, on the, on the other side of the world. Uh, guys like Joe Rogan and Bill Maher are, 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 I mean, I wouldn't suggest anyone listen to these guys, but I'm hearing things come out of their mouths that should be coming out of pulpits. Uh, you have, it, 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 I mean, is this God's way of of waking us up or shaming us or I mean, what what's are you noticing the same thing? Oh, absolutely. People, you know, I think people like Bill Maher, Andrew Rogan, at the end of the day, or even Russell Brand, you know, you're seeing sure supporting Tucker Carlson, some of the voices of truth out there because it just seems some of the older, maybe let's call them original liberals who at least have a relationship with reason and the truth. We may not have agreed with all their perspectives. Um, they might be the last bastion of sanity because um, even they, even they are seeing the insanity and saying here and no further, let's call it for what it is. This is insane. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're being now criticized within their own, you know, communities as being, uh, you know, traitors to their cause or whatever. But it just seems at some point the adults in the room, we all have to sort of give voice to this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm re going. I was a professor for 10 years, and I'm re-going through that process. I've moved back to New York, and I'm going to be teaching at the university that I used to teach at, and I have to go through a, a vetting process once again. And there's diversity, equity, and inclusion, Dean, and I've had to go through, you know, I'm, I'm a white male that's had to go through this whole mm. um, process, which, you know, every faculty member has to use the pronoun signatures, and I'm refusing to do that. I, you know, I don't need to, because I think to give in even to the smallest piece of that, you know, where they say, well, every faculty member has to sign his, him, or, or she, hers, and, 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 and even those small, well, what, what harm can that do, begins to sort of erode away at the cultural insanity, or, or where we're at our cultural sanity, rather, to, towards insanity. Um, we've all let this bleed out for too long where we haven't said, wait a second, wait a second, you know, the, this, this upside down where this sky is red and, and, and people telling us delusional thinking and we've all sort of acquiesced to it in our effort to sort of, I think, be accepting of marginalized communities. We've now made them aspirational. We've now sort of gaslighted essentially a whole generation of young people. Um, you know, if, if biology doesn't exist, then certainly spirituality doesn't exist. And once you start pulling the rug out from people's belief systems, then what tethers them? What gives them a sense of up and down and, and normalcy? And that's what I'm seeing with a lot of the young people that I treat. They are so adrift 
and empty and seeking some kind of meaning or purpose, but there's no, there's nothing to, to latch on to. Right. Yeah, they're, they're living in a matrix. The, the kids themselves will tell you that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I was just thinking about that whole Rogan brand, um, Mar thing. I was just thinking, uh, I, these guys are at least gaining a hearing with, with grand audiences. And maybe in the, in the genius of God, he's like, well, listen, they're not going to listen to some Christian freak show. Uh, they might listen to these guys. Uh, but, but, because, you know, you can debunk theology or, or denomination, whatever you want to call it. Um, but we're now, as a people, debunking logic and objective truth, science, and, and what used to be called common sense. And I, right. I, I can't help but believe that, uh, that digital technology is an is a, uh, accelerant to all that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the matrix, the digital Kool-Aid, whatever we want to call it, it's, you know, and I think you said it really brilliantly, Trace, in your opening when you talked about that it's it's not just this dementia effect, it's this sort of, this. it's, it's weakened. I, I call it a psychological immune system. We could call it a spiritual immune system. It's been compromised. And digital media not only is an accelerant, but it's, it's weakened our um, ability to critically think to use our God-given ability to reason, and it's made it, we're living in this sort of bizarro world uh, of, of insanity, and the, ins, you know, essentially the inmates are running the asylum, and those of us who I think uh, are the clear thinkers are being marginalized and, you know, called transphobic or, you know, whatever pejorative is now the cancel word that will get somebody, someone's career ruined, um, but it doesn't matter at this point. Those of us who have enough uh, career or security or or enough resolve in our beliefs we have to speak the truth yeah yeah well this is truly a scary conversation dr k and a well-needed one for parents today we're talking with dr nicholas carderis about his book digital madness it's time for a break we'll be back with more licensed to parent after this In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit helpmytroubledteen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherds Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Help by TroubledTeen.org. Hi, folks. Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern-day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago. Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. 
I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to his word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. If you'd like to learn more about Shepherd's Hill, check us out online, licensedtoparent.org. Today, we're talking with Dr. Nicholas Carderis and Dr. K. As scary as this is for so many of us, what about in your home? I, I know you and your wife have twin boys. Do your sons have cell phones? Yeah, they don't have they don't have any social media. They had gab phones through middle school. They did get a smartphone just this year. They are now sixteen, so they're what are they? They are now sophomores. But they uh, they play a lot of sports. They play a lot of music, and they're really good students. So we felt that at a certain point they were ready to get um, get something of the next generation. But they certainly don't have any any social media. They they're aware of what that is, and their lives are full with other more engaging. Uh, things they've heard me speak for better or for worse. You know, I've spoken all over the country and around the world. They've heard my 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 uh, my shtick. So so they're they're tuned in. I like to think that they're pretty tuned in. But but the the whole thing with social media, you know, I've really come to see it as a as a, almost a sentient organism. I mean, some you know now when we're talking about AI and artificial intelligence. It's, you know, and we talk about AGR, artificial generalized intelligence, which is really sentient. Um, that that is the, and if we want to talk about the beast, I think that is sort of where this is heading. And you have, I agree. You know, in my latest book, Digital Madness, I have, I quote Ray Kurzweil. Ray Kurzweil is one of the senior Google engineers who's he's the high priest of their singularity movement. And the singularity for people who don't know, this is their holy grail. The singularity for some of the tech titans is. They view it as the next generation of human evolution. It's a human-machine merging, essentially humans evolving and merging with uh, a digital cloud uh, artificial intelligence as a path towards immortality. And 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 I'm not I'm not just inferring this. You could read Ray Kurzweil's book, The Singularity Is Near, um, and he's got followers. You know, his followers are the tech titans. Uh, Sergey Brin and Larry Page of Google, they all, they all will tell you that Ray Kurzweil is their, their guru on this. So they've hijacked, they're, they're forming essentially their own, um, I don't even want to call it a science-based religion, but their own false religion of immortality. It's, and, and they think that they could use their toolbox of technology to, to get there. But in order to get there, they need resources, and they need to enslave and monetize all of our usage uh, to get there. But, but they've created this sentient organism, which is social media, which essentially feeds off of our most lizard brain primal negative evil tendencies, because let's face it, that's what, that's what feeds the beast. And then it takes our most negative impulses and then feeds them back to us in what's called an extremification loop. So social media then uses predictive algorithms to target people's and young people's psychological vulnerabilities and then regurgitates this negative content back towards them, whether it's hate-based vitriol or whether it's psychiatric uh, issues, things like um, body image issues. If you're a young uh, 
young adolescent female with body image issues, you're going to get content that's going to make you question your body image even more. That'll make you more and more suicidal. And, and the more uh, extreme the content, the more engagement that it leads to. And then the more that you see that content, the more that you also then feed negative content back into it. So you're seeing influencers who are getting billions of, of views with things like Tourette's disorder, dissociative identity disorder, gender dysphoria, and they're spreading their psychiatric unwellness via digital social contagion means. Um, and they're making our youngest sicker and sicker and sicker um, while they're getting richer and richer and richer as yeah. they pursue their immortality via the singularity. And this is an example of when you buy into a false premise, the rest of any story can start making sense. It's how the Nazis got away with uh, gas and Jews in Germany. It's how uh, we uh, got away with enslaving black folks, uh, two-thirds of a human being, uh, no big deal. Buy into a false premise, the rest of any story makes sense. Is digital abuse changing our kids' DNA? Yeah, we, we, we understand that via epigenetics that experience changes uh, that, that our DNA isn't baked in at birth, that, you know, you get sort of uh, what, what most biologists understand now is that as you grow, for example, I have identical twin boys, and, and, and most good uh, biologists will tell you that through their life experiences, they will, their DNA does evolve through, through lifetime. All of our DNA evolves through lifetime. So people that have experienced severe trauma, uh, they will experience genetic changes in their DNA and also neurophysiological changes. Trauma also changes the brain. My hypothesis is that this digital immersion is not only changing our DNA, but also the neurophysiology of our brains, not just to become addicted, but I'm convinced now, and I write about this in Digital Madness, that the society has become uh, mentally ill. Um, there's a personality disorder called borderline personality disorder that is uh, typified by black and white thinking, highly emotionally reactive, um, explosive reactions, um, uh, uh, identity fluidity or, or a lack of a really grounded sense of identity. It's, it's a really pernicious and difficult to treat personality disorder that I've seen an explosion of on the front lines clinically. But I've seen all those symptoms within the society. Our society has become more black and white thinking, reactive, emotionally um, reactive. And so I think that social media has created this sort of binary black and white extreme in our culture where we're, we're more lizard brain. We can only, I'm hypothesizing that we could only process information that's in extreme form, that nuance and the gray in between. Um, even when we used to have conversations or debates with people that were from opposing perspectives 20, 30 years ago, or when you, know, you and I were probably younger going through school, you were able to have a reasoned discourse with somebody from an opposing viewpoint. Now, um, our young people almost have well, they do. They have psychiatric episodes. They, they, they'll collapse. They, they need the safe spaces and the trigger warnings because they've been so shaped into only being able to process um, content and information that's in agreement with whatever the perspective is. They don't have the capacity to handle information that doesn't, uh, isn't in agreement with what they believe in. Uh, and so you have these really sick, unwell college students and post-college students that can't handle life on life's terms anymore. 
Yeah. Well, you hit on something really important, I think. You know, I think this is why you see such a sharp divide in our politics today as well. Uh, but can a, can a person have too much information, even if it's all innocuous information? Well, yeah, we, you know, the one, the one truism is that information isn't wisdom. And, and so we have information overload. And I've worked with many clients who have, who have literally had psychotic breaks due to information overload. Uh, it's just too much. The content is just overwhelming and they can't, we can't process it at that level. <clears throat> but in terms of also shaping influences, I think, I don't know if I mentioned last time, <clears throat> excuse me, that I was on the show. Um, I worked with a young man who had been raised suburban Palm Beach County, uh, teenager who was a YouTuber and eventually the YouTube algorithms, and he was politically interested and he went from being a progressive liberal to then he saw something about the Holocaust and then he started getting uh, Holocaust denying content. So he became a white supremacist within six months. And then he happened to watch a YouTube video about Syria and Assad. And within you know days, he started getting content, uh, recruitment content from ISIS. And then he started getting decapitation videos. And within three or four months, he converted to Islam. And he became an ISIS warrior. And I was an expert witness in his capital murder trial in Florida uh, about a year and a half ago, where he essentially decapitated a 13-year-old boy and tried to kill three other people in this brainwashed, ISIS-deluded state that he had gone into. And again, this was a suburban Palm Beach County, Florida, 16-year-old. Um, and this is, and, and his mother the whole time thought he's just up in his room on the computer, um, not realizing how, how, how much her son had gotten seduced, changed, brainwashed. Um, it was, it was just incredible. And, and when I met it, when I had to assess him in, in jail, he'd been in jail for about 16 months at that point, COVID had delayed his murder trial. Uh, he had been away from a computer for 16 months and he had actually landed back towards the young man that he used to be. And because I had told my wife when I went down to Florida to do his assessment, I thought I was going to meet a sociopath because this, this was the most horrific crime that he committed, the horrific crime scene photos and really horrible stuff. And, um, and surely only a Charles Manson type sociopath would be able to commit such acts. And what, what unnerved me the most was how nice and normal of a young man he was when I met him in prison. Very remorseful. He tried to commit suicide twice while he was in prison because once he was away from the digital devil or the influence that had brainwashed him and he landed back into who he had been um, and he realized, oh my God, what have, what have I done? Um, he wound up, it was just tragic and sad to see that this wasn't uh, an insane young man. This was just a, a normal young man who had been totally, totally brainwashed. Well, Dr. Carderis, thank you so much for your time today and for your work with the next generation. Well, thank you both for providing the good fight as well. I think it's incumbent on all of us to do the best that we can to raise awareness and to help our kids because this is the battle of our of our times and we're all in this fight together. So I appreciate all your efforts as well. Thank you. Thank you. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Dr. Nicholas Carderas. Dr. Carderas has a new book, and we've been talking with him about it today. It's called Digital Madness, and you can find out more information on the book at his website, drcarderas.com. That's D-R-K-A-R-D-A-R-A-S.com, drcarderas.com. Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. 
Trace Embry is the host and also the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a residential treatment facility for troubled teens. To learn more, visit licensedparent.org. Also, Licensed to Parent is a listener-supported ministry, and a donation of any amount would help us tremendously. You can donate online at LicensedToParent.org and click the Donate button. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peetz is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless. See you next time.